Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. We're coming to you live from Leicester Square. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Very significant today. It's 1111. So 1111. It's about the fourth time we have it this year because we're going to have. Uh, we've already had uh, one. Oh, I can't remember how many ones. <laughs> but it's only had lots of ones all over the place. And it sort of it adds up in, in Chinese chi or whatever it is, something like that. And they were saying it's quite significant for, uh, for wealth. So it's good. So you're all going to be terribly rich, not those people staggering about on the streets this morning who've been to the Halloween parties. Um, and uh, the cheaper end of the market, I think, this morning, seeing as we're now in the 1st of November. But it's nice to have your company. It's going to be wet later on today. My advice, take an umbrella, because you're certainly going to need it. Uh, we'll also find out later on, I think we're going to be sending one of our reporters down to the House of Parliament a little bit later, and we'll find out what's going on down there because some protesters turned up complaining about the uh, the squatting rights. So that will be coming up a little bit later on this morning. Uh, plus, it is it's Mel B's daughter Phoenix, who's fi- at twelve. At twelve, she's filed an assault charge against her father, uh, said to be extremely distraught when Jimmy Gulzar allegedly grabbed her and refused to let her leave the ho- home on October the eleventh, when their custodial time had finished. Police had to be called, and a source said there was a standoff for several hours. And um, so at 12 years... I can't believe at 12 that she's actually filed a report. Although, to be honest with you, I really shouldn't be surprised because a piece appeared in one of the papers today. And I thought, I'm sure I've not read this properly. So I reread it, and then I read it again, and then I had another look at it. More than 30 children aged under 10... More than 30 children aged under 10 have been issued with shotgun licences in the last three years. Although they're not allowed to use the firearms unsupervised until they're 15. I mean, I've never heard anything like it. So there's 30 children aged under the age of 10 who've got shotgun licences. God, blimey, small wonder we're in the mess we're in at the moment, I'm afraid. I couldn't believe it. As I say, I reread it and reread it, and I thought, no, it can't be right. We wouldn't seriously issue shotgun licences to children. Perhaps the children of MPs, maybe, but... uh, but uh, nobody else. Uh, we'll take all your texts and emails this morning, 84850, uk, and, uh, and they're doing, in a lot of the papers today, the story that we did yesterday, which is the fact that more and more memorials are being vandalised. We've had one in Twickenham in Radnor Gardens, but they've now put up the council CCTV. It's almost a little bit too late to put up CCTV, and it's, I find it quite, quite depressing that somebody... There's an unscrupulous scrap dealer, probably most of them are anyway... Uh, who are prepared to take war memorials and melt them down for a few pence. In one case, somebody knocked over a memorial in a cemetery to get a piece of lead off the roof of it, which is worth about a fiver. A fiver. I mean, people just steal anything nowadays. You know, even if it's... I was going to say, if, if, if it's nailed down, they wouldn't touch it. But, of course, if it's nailed down, that makes them want to go for it. You've got... They had the pictures on the television the other day, the images of the, uh, of the Romanian beggars the little children, pretend, you know, dressed up in little hijabs. They're not, you know, they just go and take them off. They're just begging on the streets of Edgware. And uh, the moment you appear, you know, a camera appears, their minders appear out of nowhere and start threatening this, that and the other. It's absolutely disgusting. It really is absolutely terrible. But the good news is this morning that if your house number is odd, you're richer than anybody else. Because an odd house number makes you apparently £500 richer. How they work that out, I've got no idea. Apparently, a, a property with a name is nearly £90,000 more expensive than a home which only has a number with a typical price of two hundred. So if you've got sort of Gull Cottage or Bidawee or something like that, people like names because it means something a bit significant apart from I live at number 25B. 
25B doesn't sound as exciting as I live in Rose Cottage. Rose Rose Cottage makes it sound a little bit more... You know, the, the postman knows where Rose Cottage is. Well, he does eventually. Walk up and down the road. Where is the, where is the name? And it's the cottage with all the roses round it. And then you discover that all the roses have got blight. And they've died. So, consequently, we've got one rose. One rose around the cottage. So, the good news is that if you've got an, an odd number, your house is worth about £500 more. If you live by water, that increases the price of your property. People apparently nowadays will, will pay premiums to go and live overlooking water. And, and I've, I've, I've watched various programmes, you know, they do these grand designs, and you look at it and think, oh, it looks absolutely wonderful. I've always, they had a couple the other day. It must, they must repeat these every so often, because I'm sure I've seen it before. And her father, the girl who was looking for a property, is the mayor of Broadstairs. And I thought, how lovely Broadstairs looked. Really, and until somebody said to me, you want to see the crime rate down there, it's astronomically high. I think Charles Dickens had a place at Broadstairs, which overlooked that. And I thought, if I was going to have a place, I would go to one of these programmes and say, OK, I've got four, five hundred thousand pounds or whatever, you know, just limitless. But I want to live practically on the beach. I want to be able to sit on my balcony and look over the beach. You know, it's got to be that close. And that you would pay a premium for. But some people live there and I'm sure they never appreciate it. I just, I just think that must be absolutely fantastic. Oh, dear, not again. Poor little Tamara Eccleston. She's learning nothing, this girl here. She's now, uh, she's going, I'm just naive, you know, and, and I want people to see that there is more to me than this, even though her mother has said to her, don't do this television programme. But, of course, being the uh, ego the size of a whale, Tamara Eccleston um, is, is doing it here. But uh, she, she is, in fact, a, a television presenter. No, she's not. Uh, or model. No, she's not. You know, it's just something that they, they put down if they can't think of anything else to do. But her website reads, not one to take her privileged life for granted. Tamara gives back wherever possible. If only they'd all take her back, actually, and just sort of dump her from a very big height. Uh, you remember she revealed her wardrobe. £100,000 worth of handbags, £70,000 worth of shoes. I don't think she realises, as we go into another major recession, that people really absolutely loathe her for this shameless display of... You don't see her father draping himself in £50 notes. And he's rich as creases. But unfortunately, she lives in such a vacuous lifestyle. And, you know, and as probably hangs around with dreadfully vacuous people. We discovered who her makeup artist was the other day. It's him again, I'm afraid. It's the Jordan one. He does her makeup. Probably doing a better job slightly. But anyway, she is. Uh, she says, I'd like to marry, but I want to concentrate on my career first. She's dating a stockbroker, Omar Kayami. And this summer he bought a Ferrari worth around £370,000. Small wonder this girl's got no concept of anything at all. She's going to release uh, uh, a line of hair products, which is lovely. So, Because she won't have anything to do with it. She'll just be Tamara Eccleston stuff. To be honest with you, I, I just see these people as, as terribly vacuous. And this one here, the bi- I mean, it's called Billion Dollar Girl. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have preferred it if it hadn't been called Billion Dollar Girl and she hadn't been so empty-headed that uh, she would want to do this programme in the first place, because it's, people are just going to loathe her. They're just going to end up hating her so much. A little bit like they do at the moment with Fiona Bruce. Fiona Bruce, you remember, is a television presenter, and she did that ill-fated interview with Prince Philip where he annihilated her. She thought she could sit there and simper, and, uh, and it didn't work. He absolutely hated her. Absolutely. They, they managed to get through it, but only because it was little tiny bits on the programme. Uh, then she does a programme about the royal households. And now 
um, she's annoyed everybody by doing a programme about Leonardo da Vinci. One viewer wrote in to the BBC saying, following on from the success of Fiona Bruce walks in front of palaces, we now have Fiona Bruce stands in front of paintings. Yet another Fiona Bruce programme promoting Fiona Bruce. And uh, you, you can't help thinking that... Uh, I mean, she has been named Rear of the Year. So for that, we should be eternally grateful. But that's good, isn't it? Obviously, some of she's very proud of... I quite like her on the Antiques Roadshow. But uh, one, once they, they start doing these things, a guy called Johnny Irving, uh, at the moment, who's, uh, who's popped up on the television, he came over from another channel where he does house programmes. But I think his father is involved either in the building trade or renovating. And he's very good. He's very good. He's very pleasant. He seems to fit in quite nicely. He's articulate. But you just get this horrible feeling that somebody's going to go, right, let's give you this programme and we'll have you on a reality show and we'll have you doing this. And then talking of reality shows, I turned on the television yesterday to find the, um, the programme uh, that used to be presented by Claudia Winkleman where they bring on the, the Strictly Dancing people only to have Nancy to no talent at all on there with Tony Beak simpering over her like some fawning brown nose. It was just appalling to watch. It was, in fact, it was so cringe-making that he is so awful and he is just so ugh and tacky. And she, quite clearly, how this woman ever snares a boyfriend, she's got no sex appeal. As, as one of the columnists has said today, she finds it absolutely unbelievable that this woman can't even gracefully dance around a floor. She has no sex appeal at all. And yet, strangely and delusionally, she thinks she has. But she hasn't. She sort of targets people who are probably vulnerable and weak and who then kind of see through her and then go, I think we've had enough, actually. And, uh, and they realise what, what, what she's into. And the answer, she's into herself. Because listening to her talking with Tony Beak simpering by her side, going, you're such a superstar, he said to her. You're such... And I'm thinking, you really are a crackpot, aren't you? you re- I'm so glad you've been kicked off the programme. So glad. And uh, glad that the public kicked her out as well. She had no talent. She cannot dance. She lumbered around the floor like a navvy. That's exactly what she looked like. And one of the columnists said today she found it quite, quite embarrassing, really, that this poor girl, uh, when she must have undressed in front of Sven-Goran Eriksson, must have looked like a bloke taking his clothes off. She said because she couldn't, she didn't have any sex appeal. She doesn't know how to undress sexily, whereas we all know how to do it. You slip one thing off here, I'm on off there, and then you go shimmy, 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 and then your nighty falls to the floor. Well, it does in my case. And, uh, and then you stand there. And you think, I must remember to hold my stomach in next time. And so here is this poor woman. And I was looking at her thinking, the trouble is with her, she's been surrounded by sycophants like Tony Beak, who go, you're marvellous, you're marvellous, and you're a big superstar, whereas she's got no talent. She can't dance. She can't do anything. She appears not even to be able to understand the language. All a little bit embarrassing, really. A little bit embarrassing, but there you go. You know, I suppose we all live to fight another day. Uh, other stories in the papers today. That's a story of a Hollywood actress whose ex-husband has just crawled out of the woodwork and said she did lots of cocaine, you know. Comes as no surprise to me. I think Hollywood was absolutely awash with it. But we did Stephanie Beecham yesterday for In Conversation. She was telling us that uh, she, if, if she'd been doing uh, Dynasty, she would not have been allowed to turn up for any interviews wearing a pair of jeans. It was forbidden. When you went out to do any interviews, be they television, radio, newspaper, you absolutely did yourself up. If it meant you went to the studio and you borrowed all the clothes and had your hair and makeup done, that's how you presented yourself. So she said, I never, because she turned up in jeans yesterday, looking very good, mind you, but she said, I never would have been allowed out to do any interviews 
wearing a pair of jeans. So I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm wearing jeans. These are the headlines. At least 12 people have been arrested overnight after a large group turned up in Parliament Square claiming to protest over squatters' rights. It's reported there were scuffles with police. The area has now been cleared. Anti-capitalist protesters will be told later to remove their tents from outside St Paul's Cathedral or face legal action. The group will get a letter warning they have 48 hours to go or legal action will begin. Uh, even troubled toddlers could be targeted under fresh plans to crack down on gang violence. Other plans include life in prison for people who supply guns. Home Secretary reveals details later. Let's have a check on the roads for you. Down to the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre and J. Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Starting with the Surrey stretch of the M25. Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past five. We live in a semi-detached rose cottage, says James. Neither of us have roses. The house in front has beautiful roses. <laughs> You're probably going back years. I'd love to... It could be Rose Cottage, but what? Ro- Ro- Rose Cottage B or something. We've only got one plant in the front. I used to love it when people, you know, we used to have houses called Dunroman. And Dunroman meant that you'd actually been travelling and this was where you'd settled. Then there was Bidewee. They all had these sort of Scottish connotations. And uh, we lived in a house called Oak Ridge. And yet we didn't have an oak tree in sight. I don't know why it was called Oak Ridge. I've got no idea. Never actually understood that one. And... Uh, I can't remember the name of our other houses, but I quite liked it when people had house names. It must have been a nightmare for the postman going along, uh, Rose... Oh, God, what was this one? You know, they have enough trouble as it is, poor souls. Uh, 84850, steve at Did you go out last night to a Halloween party? Did you dress up? We see that more people seem to have dressed up uh, than I've ever seen before. As I say, round here last night we got the cheaper end. On Saturday there was some, I mean, really good costume. Obviously rented from proper places, but very, very good costumes. I mean, really, you know, nice kind of things. You think you've really made an effort. You're obviously not working, because you've got enough time to sort of go home and start putting on the slap. We used to do it years ago. I used to work in discotheques. Uh, you would you would sort of get dressed up for Halloween. But we just thought a blood capsule. I couldn't be bothered to do the face. The amount of people who sort of spend much time doing their face white. And I was down there the, on Saturday, and you'd get people lurching towards you, like people who were in the Michael Jackson thriller video. You know, they sort of, oh, this is, uh, and they do that kind of stuff. From the dead of night comes. And all these people, everybody's got to be really sort of creepy. Jay Louise was telling me, it's just she was coming in the front door, somebody went, boo, like that, in front of her. I said, I'll tell you, I'd have had a heart attack on the spot if anybody did that. It's bad enough moving people away from the door as it was. Uh, also the paper today, Frankie Cocosa, that's the one who can't sing on The X Factor, Cannot sing for Toffee. Do not waste money on any albums or anything like that. He, he went on a date with Amelia Lilly. Well, I've got no idea who she is. It's, we seem to be spending all of our time talking about his, his dates as opposed to the singing, which, of course, we know he can't do. And he, he takes her on a date, then he dumps her to go off with some blonde uh, into the back of a car park. So they've got a picture of him with this blonde. I mean, she, she's a real class act. Back of the car park. I mean, that really is class act, isn't it? They had a car park tryst. Which is, I know, which sounds even tacky, but she looks a bit tacky. I mean, quite clearly. So he's on the television. Well, he's tacky. We knew he was tacky first time round. He was very tacky reading on the television the other day. But actually, talking of car parts, there's a horrendous picture in a, in a paper today. I cannot remember which paper it's in, but it absolutely made me, uh, made me cringe. I think it might have been. It's not the sun this morning. Because they, they, apparently the Queen watches loose women. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Carol McGiffin seems to think the Queen watches loose women. 
I mean, why would the Queen want to sit down and watch that? I mean, do me a favour. Melanie Sykes has decided <laughs> they will sit down. So what, what do you think? Yes, they're going to be doing some men bashing again today. Melanie Sykes has decided that, uh, that she, she's going to display her ample charms, just wearing a pair of scanties, because uh, she's, it's the first time she's, she's dared to bear all. And she says, right now I'm in the best shape of my life, so you think, why the hell not? I just think desperate, Mel, actually, love. I really don't know why you've done it. I mean, it's, it's very sweet, but, I mean, do you think it's a bit embarrassing? I mean, it's work a bit thin on the ground, and you decided that the best thing to do is an interview with a Squire magazine, and somebody said, do you, do you can actually sort of go, go, go topless for us. And so she's, she's gone topless. I'm a little bit worried. But there is um, a picture in one of the papers today of a car park in Saudi Arabia where, as usual... The Saudis are metering out their own justice. And the justice, in this case, is beheading in a public car park. You've never seen anything like it. Uh, the reason you've never seen anything like it is because they don't seem to go through the courts over there. This, this man was selling potions, you know, spells. Because, believe it or not, there are certain people in the world who, uh, who, who, who go for spells. And they like that kind of thing. I see loads of advert in the Metro for, uh, for people who are sort of claiming all sorts of things, you know, witchcraft and all that kind of stuff. And I don't believe a word of it. I really don't, you know. Uh, but people want to believe in it. And so this particular man was found guilty. He wasn't allowed a lawyer. They didn't give him the opportunity of having a lawyer. They just decided to behead him. So they beheaded him in a, in a public car park. And it's been put up on the internet. And you, you start to think to yourself, they're so backward over there. They really are. There was a, an appeal for clemency made to the king, and uh, he just totally ignored it. Totally ignored it. So you get this this beheading picture in the paper today. Luckily, you can't see too much because they they don't show you the final picture. But his head apparently came off in 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 one, as they say, which is far more than you can ever have achieved for anybody in this country that we ever beheaded at the Tower of London. It's all very sad. Uh, always looking on the bright side of life can be good for you. So in other words, if you always think positively, that makes you feel much better. So when you wake up in the morning, you know, I was I tend to find the best. The best time in the morning is sitting in the shower. I don't know why. Sitting in the shower is, you know, you, you've, I'm, holding, I'm holding the shower thing. And you can, you can do all sorts of things. You know, you can think about all sorts of things whilst you're sitting on your little seat in the shower. And it's, it's just great. There's something nice about it. And so if you've got a sunny attitude, that means that you're a healthier person. Apparently, they were talking about Steve Jobs in the papers today. And they were talking about um, his last words. And his last words were, you won't believe this, this is a really bizarre thing to say. With his last breath, he went, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. He did it three times, his sister said. And she said it was almost like he was climbing a stairway and it was getting brighter and brighter and brighter. She said, and then he died. But those were his last words. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Am I going to be... I don't know what mine are going to be, actually. I can't imagine what my last words will be. <laughs> It'll be something about Jordan or Caricatona. Knowing my luck, it really will. I could just say, oh, well, the bad news is, I'm afraid, as we predicted on this programme, Kim Kardashian's marriage has finished. Yes, she managed, I think, something like 70 days and uh, couldn't make it last any longer. Little Miss Needy, who managed to uh, spend six million on the wedding but managed to coin in 11 million by selling the rights... It's all over. It's all finished because the whole thing, as you can well imagine, was just like a giant publicity stunt. And so it, it sort of nets loads of money and then 
and then nobody seems to be committed. Although the good news is that Chantel, living the dream, has uh, said that when, when, when she gets married to Alex Reed, because uh, she's, she'll be on marriage number two by this time. Yes, you've forgotten they're, they're still going out in their fake... Sorry, in their really serious, I'm deeply in love with you relationship. And she said it'll make good television. No, it won't, I'm afraid. No, it won't. I don't want to be rude, but, you know, frankly, I think we have had enough of that. I don't, I don't want to see anything else like that at all. Uh, other stories in the papers. Uh, Kelly Rowland. It's all very confusing with, with, with the judges in The X Factor. I can't quite work out if, uh, if, if, if Kelly Rowland is coming back or if she's going away again or if... I don't know what she's doing. I really, really don't know what's actually going on. I mean, I'm hoping she's going to come back. Here's the only way as Essex crowd. Sam Faiers putting on her makeup again, troweling it on. Poor old Jodie Marsh. Not a clue, honestly. Hapless girl. Uh, and um, at the Halloween bash, the only way is Essex cast, the big embarrassment to everybody, little Harry. A sort of a camp vamp, as it was. A camp vamp. And, uh, and Peter Bashir has made the paper say, who is Peter Bashir? He has been heralded as the world's seven billionth person. How they know this, I've got no idea. I mean, it's ridiculous, really, because there must be babies born all over the place. But, and in fact, uh, as it says here, uh, India, China, Nigeria, the Philippines, US, Russia and several other countries, hospitals across the globe claimed the title as the world's population would hit 7 billion. And so he's the 7 billion baby. But there's one in Turkey, one in India, one in Russia. They're all over the place. You cannot move for 7 billion kids. And if you saw The X Factor on Saturday, you've seen Sher Lloyd her of all the tattoos up her arm, wearing a very pretty little frock, but the song is instantly forgettable, I'm afraid, and if we managed to get another one out, I'd be quite surprised. And uh, she was on the, not even a great dance routine. It was all a little bit feeble, but it, it, it plugged it quite well, and, uh, and she looked good, I suppose, in this outfit. And, and they're actually trying to sell her as demure, but in fact we all remember, don't we, all about Cher Lloyd, so I don't think there'll be a lot going on there. She makes a second single. It, it would be quite interesting. I'm very excited, says Paul. I live in a house with an odd number, which also has a name, and opposite a park, which has a brook bubbling through it. And as I've now got cash I wasn't aware of, I've decided to set up my own radio station to put you on it 24-7. Thank you so much. On the subject of people with no sense, how about Kim Kardashian? There you go. Who's filing for divorce after 72 days. I'd love to be her solicitor. Yes, me too. Me too. I mean, it's, it's a joke, isn't it, really? It is an absolute joke. How on earth... Can you go, oh, we're going to get married, we love you, love you, love you, and then, oh, no, we don't love you anymore. And we've fallen out of love. Apparently, he said he was too young to have children. Well, he married a child. We've seen the petulant Miss Kardashian and her ghastly family. Oh, dear me. Dreadful. I mean, they, they, they make the Osbournes look almost interesting, I'm afraid. I can't bear the Kardashians. And uh, my mother has a house at Broadstairs, Steve, says Dean. And I used to go there every summer. Sadly, it's now rented out. My children and I still go there on day trips. We love it. Especially Folk Week and the beach. Great memories of sitting on the balcony looking out to sea. Well, I looked at it. It looked so pretty. It looked so pretty down there. And I thought, how lovely to live in Broadstairs. Steve, Broadstairs is lovely. Moved down from Harrow two years ago and I haven't looked back. You see, I've got listeners in Broadstairs. Already, at this time of the morning, the people of Broadstairs are rallying to the cause. It's lovely. Debbie and West Wickham's let the dog out at 4.30, back in bed listening. Bliss. Love your show. Been listening for years. Actually, the good news is that Jimmy uh, Savile is actually getting buried, I think, today. They're going to bury him with his jewellery and his tracksuit and a cigar. But I'm predicting they won't light it. So he will be buried with all of that. And uh, it'll be now then, now then, here I go. 
<laughs> I wonder what sort of music they have. I, I predict Leeds will probably come to a standstill, and there'll be a big hearse. It'll probably be horse-drawn with Jimmy on the side, and somebody will have thought of the foresight of having a cigar made up in flowers. I bet your bottom dollar there'll be a cigar made up in flowers. I'll just I'll predict it now. No idea. LBC 97.3. It's nice to have your company. It's Tuesday morning. It's 5.30. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to 6. Tuesday morning in London town. It's one 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 one. OK? It's the 1st of November in the year 2011. So it's very significant. It means something money-wise. It means, I think, if you put all the the one 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 ones in, in a line, and we have four this year, I think, because we have the 1st of... the one. We have one 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 one, which was January. Then we had one 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 one, which was the 11th. And then we've, then we've got one 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 one. And very soon we'll have one 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 follow that one through. I think I got that right. Yeah, the 11th of November. 11. hurts, <laughs> doesn't it? Just, just even thinking about things like that first thing in the morning. And, and apparently, if, if you add it all together, it goes one, 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 whatever it does. But it means that it, it's significant. It's, it's, it's significant, because I think in, in some Chinese numerology, it means that we're all going to be immensely rich this year. This is just as the banks tell us we're going into another recession. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all. I have to, I, you so want to believe in things, don't you? You just so want to believe that it could be true, but it isn't. Uh, like, I so want to believe uh, that, uh, that it's doctors' faults that we put on weight. There's a woman in the paper today. Uh, her name is Dawn Brown. And, and she's blamed doctors for her children becoming obese. I mean, you know, how this happens, I've got no idea. You do get people like this. Uh, Dawn's uh, son, who's 12-year-old Aaron, is piling on the pounds like his older sister, Melissa, did. Uh, Melissa used to be, I think, 34 stone. She's... <laughs> I mean, 34 stone, you, you know, look at yourself in the mirror. If you think, oh, I'm 18 or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Uh, thir- 34 stone, she's now anorexic. So she's gone from one extreme to the other that's about four of Chinese Amanda. Four Chinese... I mean, even one is bad enough. The idea that four... That's like a nesting Russian doll, isn't it? That's like we take one... There's another one inside. And we open it. There's another one. And that, good grief, there's another one. So she was dubbed Britain's fattest teen, was Melissa. So she had the NHS gastric bypass at 17. Two years later, she's fighting anorexia. So she's gone from something that big. And I understand how easy it is to put on a lot of weight. So Dawn, who went from 29 to 16, so they are a fat family. So quite clearly, they are eating the wrong food. I don't care what anybody says, unless you've got an illness, and it's very rare that it runs for an entire family. It might happen, you know, every so often. And she doesn't want Erin to go under the knife. She says, I can't sleep at night. Which of course, is ridiculous, because obviously she does sleep at night. She says, because I have to make sure that he doesn't get up and creep downstairs to the fridge. Because that's what he's doing. He's binging at night. And the worst time to binge, as you all know, unless you're one of those people who's very lucky and doesn't put on any weight at all, in which case we hate you to pieces and we don't want to know anything about you, don't, don't write in and tell me that you, you can eat like a horse and still not put on any weight. If you've got stuff in the fridge, you go down late at night and you eat it, and then you're not doing any exercise, so you climb back into bed and it solidifies and it goes into fat and it clogs your arteries and, and, it, you, know, and you just get bigger and bigger. And it's, it's an occupational hazard. Lots of people, if you're a person who works nights, your eating habits must be completely screwed up. 
because you don't know, what, are you eating, is this, bre- is this breakfast, is this lunch, where, where am I at the moment? If you're just waking up at the moment, you're probably thinking, I've got to go to work, I haven't got time for breakfast, I'll catch something later on. So you catch a McDonald's or something, you know, all the stuff, you know, lovely for some people, but just the kiss of death for many people. You know, you never see happy, smiling faces at McDonald's over here. I never see people rushing out going, I've got a McDonald's, which is what you see on all the adverts. And they do a breakfast wrap now, and I did have one the other week. And frankly, it settled onto my stomach like I poured concrete down there. And everybody goes, what are you eating it for? I go, I don't know. It just looked nice. It was a, it was a, a beef patty and a piece of bacon and some cheese. Cheese, I ask you, at this time of the morning. And a hash brown, all in a wrap. I mean, ri- what madness. It, it does sound awful. But she talks about her son here, so, so she's got to keep an eye. Why don't you just put a lock on the fridge? Make sure there is no food available for him so he can creep down to the kitchen and have a glass of water. But he gets hungry, and he probably wants some chocolate or something like that. She said, if we had a roast dinner, he'd always want seconds and thirds. Well, I've never heard of anybody having thirds. I've Thirds. I mean, that is just sheer gluttony. She said, I tried giving him smaller portions with lots of veg, but he does anything to get more food. I stopped his pocket money, but he's begged his friends to feed him. I've tried locking the cupboards, but he breaks in. He even raids the bin for scraps. Oh, this this child is seriously ill. There's something the matter with him. You don't have seconds and... I don't think I ever had seconds. I don't think I ever had seconds, unless it was, you know, you might with, with sort of Christmas dinner. I could probably just manage a few more little sausages or something like that. Any more roast potatoes? No, no, we've got some sprouts left. Oh, good, we'll have some sprouts. But I don't think I ever did thirds or anything like that. She says here, his daily diet consists of, here we go, four Weetabix for breakfast. Four, now, that he's 12, remember, four Weetabix, that's quite a lot. Pasta with chicken and cheese for lunch. Totally wrong. I bet the skin's still on the chicken, the worst bit. Cheese, very bad for you. A huge roast dinner at night. So they do a roast at night. Well, I don't know. Wait a minute. He snacks on yoghurts, and his midnight feast is bacon sandwiches. Now, you know, she says, uh, sometimes I give him crisps, but if I don't, he cries. Aaron says, I don't want to be fat, but I like eating. We all like eating, Poppet. You've just got to find your mother. You know, there has to be a, a, a level a level bit in there. I don't think a roast every night is good for you. I really don't think a roast... Tell me, tell me if, if you think that that's a bad diet. Tell me if you... Th- I mean, I thought people just had the roast on a Sunday. I thought that's what we had now, a traditional Sunday roast. In the evening, we used to, my mum might do us egg and chips or fish fingers and chips or, or a beef burger and chips, but she'd make the beef burger... Well, we did have a lot of chips when we were kids, it has to be said. Well, actually, as kids, we were, I mean, I was thin as a rake till I was 25. Thin as a rake, you know. And, and uh, we didn't have computers in my day. We had abacuses. And uh, it was very therapeutic, moving the little things across to one side. I never knew how they worked, actually. Mind you, I had a slide rule. I never understood that. I knew I had slide rules, and I'd sit there pretending I knew what I was doing. I didn't have the faintest idea. Uh, Kevin says, it's not often... Anyone can make an American basketball player look sympathetic, but Kim Kardashian has certainly managed to do so. I agree with the previous emailer. You should be on there 24-7. I don't think it's quite possible to be on there 24-7, much as though it's a lovely thought. Jeremy says, if we're not meant to have midnight binges, why do they put lights inside fridges? Yes, that, that has been argued before by a lot of people. There's a girl in the paper today. You're going to love this one. This is one of my favourites. And uh, when, when the knock came at the door... Uh, uh, of Essex girl, whose name is Harriet, Harriet 
I don't know how you pronounce this girl's name. H a double r i a d n i e. Harriad. Oh, Harriadney. What a funny name. Harriadney Bow. She's Essex girl, so talk a bit like that. What? So Harriadney Bow. Oh, when they said, "Would you like to be on the Only Way's Essex?" Went, no. Want to be model? Want to be top model? And so she is going to be a top model. And she says, I'm a classy girl. I want to be associated with classy things. And even though The Only Wears Essex is great, she's obviously hedging her bets on this one, just in case it features her. Uh, she says, it's not the place I'll get spotted by high-end designers. Because uh, Harry Adney Bowes designer, you know, and designs clothes. And uh, she says here that she's, um, she's, uh, she's designing her own fashion product to be sold in exclusive stores. In other words, she's not doing anything at all. They're just trying to make her sound interesting. Because she's designing her own fashion product... Is that clothes or a bottle, dear? What, what, what would that be? I don't know. A fashion product. Earring? I don't know. I'm guessing earring. To be sold in exclusive stores. Primark? I don't know. Where would you be selling? What is an exclusive store? Why don't you just put down Harrods? They don't put anything down because nothing's sealed. But she says, I've got strong morals. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't like swearing. I haven't had any surgery. Oh, God, you're so boring. How dull are you? God, blah, you live in Essex. You don't drink. Boring. You don't smoke? Well, you know, whatever. I don't like swearing. Where do you go in Essex? Where are you going? And I, and I haven't had any surgery. She's only about... How old is this girl here? I don't know. She, she's, I think she's probably about the 20, 20 thing. But uh, uh, she was the... F- oh, wait a minute. She was the face of Sugar Hut, the Brentwood nightclub, owned by Kirk... And she felt she owed it to him to represent the club. I sat there for hours waiting to audition, she said. The whole time I was wondering if I should walk out, so I felt uncomfortable. Oh, dear. No, in fact, uh, you've actually come over as a little bit desperate now. Which is a shame. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because I'm sure that, you know, your career's going to be marvellous with this beauty product or this, you know, product that you're designing, whatever it is. Uh, Noreen is booked to see the Bootleg Beatles next March. Fabulous. Different line-up now. But uh, they will be as good. They are, they are managed very well. Did you see Nancy Delusional? She says on It Takes Two, she really thinks she was popular. Oh, she, she did say on the programme, she said, she said the, uh, the programme will be worse off without me. No, it's, it's better already, Nancy. Nobody likes a diva with no talent. Nothing worse, I'm afraid. Uh, Nick Ferrari this morning. He's going to be bringing you all the day's top stories just after the news at seven, discussing the role the schools play in bringing up our children and deterring them from gang culture. Doesn't seem to work in many cases, does it? Should schools pick up the pieces left behind by bad parents? Also speaking to Nick on the issue, the Home Secretary, Theresa May, ahead of the government's reports on gangs coming out later today. And as we get into winter, the government is setting out plans to protect the vulnerable from the cold and to talk Nick through the proposals will be the Health Secretary, Andrew Lansley. All of that and a full round-up of the, uh, the newspapers with Claire Algar, who's Reprieve's Executive Director. And uh, mainly, it's, I'll just I'll quickly tell you the headlines. Mel B's girl held captive by Dad. This is Phoenix, Phoenix Chi, who claims that Jimmy Gulzar held her captive. She's 12. It's quite a big 12, it has to be said. Daily Star, Lucy is a vamp. I'm assuming it's the ridiculous Lucy Mecklenburg. And uh, Roman Abramovich uh, told the court yesterday he paid £1.6 billion protection money, £1.6 billion, to a political godfather. Good grief. He's very rich, because there's this big court case going on at the moment between him and, and other people. You, you, you have to, every time I look at Roman Abramovich, who, who did the whole thing in Russian, I don't think his English is up to much, so he, they had an interpreter for him there. What I always find amazing about Roman Abramovich is he's so rich, and yet he's a market trader. 
That's how he started. He was a market trader. It's amazing what you could achieve in Russia nowadays, isn't it, really? That's why all his, his girlfriends are sort of terribly classy. But uh, the last one he bought an art gallery for, but he didn't really have anything in common because he's he's hands-on sort of bloke. They didn't really understand that kind of thing. Uh, Daily Express tell you that Brucey and Tess could be toppled if Simon Cowell returns to the X Factor because uh, Brucey and Tess are doing quite well. She's sort of struggling with the presentational bit and Brucey, you know, you gave, you gave, you gave. He's a little bit like uh, Prince Charles. And uh, by Jerry Street Porter which sounds exactly the same as everybody else, but if Simon Cowell comes back to doing it, which I don't think he will, they say that that, that could topple it. I don't think it makes any difference. You, the public, will decide which programme you want to watch. And, you know, most houses have got two televisions, so you'll flip backwards and forwards, depending on what you find funny or what you find interesting. And that's, and that's, exactly, that's exactly how it works. It's, it's not going to be any, any, any different. It's a nice scarf around your neck. Thank you. Oh, yes, Arafat look again. It's very nice. <laughs> do you have to... Do, do you sort of wear that all the time? Wear what? The scarf. A scarf? That, that, well, that particular one is nice. Do you like it? Yes, I quite yeah, like it. Was, it. Uh, this is the first outing this year. Of this oh, is one. it? Yeah. Oh, right. It's old. old. Is it a lot? It's a few years old. Oh, right. Well, well, watch is a treat. <laughs> really does. <laughs> Looks lovely. Because I, like, I haven't started wearing my scarves yet. I know. I, know. I, I nearly put one on yesterday and I thought, yeah, have a cup of coffee. Go on, let's push the boat out. A cup of coffee for us. I think that's. I can't work out why it is that a cup of coffee gets us going for the day. Caffeine. It's the caffeine, is it? Right. Let's have lots of caffeine then, please. Very much indeed. We like that. It is, though, it's that. F- Some people cannot survive without the cup of tea first thing in the morning. They wake up and you go, So what's the first thing you do? And they go, Well, I put, put the cat out, which is sitting by the back door staring at the handle. And, uh, and then we make. Th- and then the kettle goes on. We have a nice cup of tea. So we've already had the cup of tea. So quarter to six, we're now on the cup of coffee. These are the headlines you're waking up to. Gang members who supply guns could face life in prison under new government proposals to tackle inner-city violence. Home Secretary Theresa May is expected to outline the plans later. At least 12 people have been arrested after around 150 people gathered outside the Houses of Parliament in an unauthorised protest against proposed changes to squatters' rights. The protesters arrived in the area at just after midnight and were met with hundreds of police officers. And a children's charity says rising food prices over the last year have put the lives of hundreds of thousands of children at risk. Save the Children looked at the relationship between rising food prices and child deaths. Down to the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre. For us this morning, it's Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. And the clockwise M25. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Mobility scooters. They are the curse of pavements everywhere. I don't know if you've seen that, but the moment there's a... You can see me on a mobility scooter. I can also see me on a mobility scooter. But they're everywhere. Some people have personalised number plates. Some people have got, you know, go get em pensioner written on there and all sorts. And they, they're either little tiny things, which some of these people just about get on, or they're things that are enormous and are roughly the size of, uh, of quad bikes. And they're all over the place. And John Dodd is talking about today the uh, the Hell's Angels on mobility scooters. What annoys me, it's the only thing that annoys me, actually, about mobility scooters, uh, is when you see somebody sitting on there, they're hugely obese and they've got a fag on. And they're sitting and you think, do you not think maybe if you got off the scooter you might be able to walk a little bit, you know, put the fag out and do a bit of exercise? Maybe that's why they're fat, because they can't walk. That is true. But the, the cigarette ain't helping. It's not helping. We have a couple of oddities around Twickenham. We've got quite a few oddities around Twickenham. But uh, they're everywhere now. And, it, it, and they tend to come in families. I'm surprised the kids haven't got them as well. Do you possess a mobility scooter? Do you have to charge it? Some poor bloke got his nicked the other day. 
He was he parked it outside the house, went inside, came outside, and joyriders had taken it. I mean, with the best will in the world, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to go very far joyriding on a mobility scooter. They've got limited range because they need charging up. They're not petrol-driven. They're electric. They've got batteries in there. And so this one did 500 metres. But unfortunately, it was far enough away for him not to better get it. He was marooned in his house for three days. He couldn't go out anywhere. And uh, it's at times like that that I think neighbours come into their own. That's, you know, if ever I'm ill, I can guarantee at least one or two of my neighbours will say, do you need anything? And I'll go, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Honestly, I'm sure I can make it, you know, to, to the shops eventually. And uh, in, in the winter, they have to make sure that the milk doesn't, you know, I mean, just check your neighbours. You know, I've said to people who live next, to, next door to her, I've said, listen, check that, you know, she's taken her post in, the newspaper's not still sticking through the letterbox, and, and the milk hasn't frozen outside there, because she's very rich. She, she, she plays down. I mean, she really plays down. And, uh, but I mean, I've seen the house. I've seen it. I mean, frankly, I mean, she's in a wing of this stately home. I don't, you know, and she, the milk piles up outside, which, of course, it does, doesn't it? And especially in the winter, when it, it used to force itself out of the bottle. And you'd have a bit sticking above the top, and tits around my way used to absolutely get their little beaks in there. So I had to buy from the milkman um, a little plastic box to put the milk bottles in to stop the tits attacking it. But, of course, nobody has milk bottles anymore. I rarely see milk bottles. You go to the supermarket, it's plastic. I mean, I used to love the sound of the milk float going down the street. Kevin will now tell me there are milk bottles out there, but I don't see them. And, and you'd go, I'll have... Two normal and a gold top. And the gold top was extra cream. And then the milkman used to do bread and bacon and butter and all sorts of things. And orange. Would you like some orange juice, Steve? Yes. Just goes to prove people keep an eye on me. I get on the bus yesterday and the driver goes, bit late today, aren't you? <laughs> Believe it. I said, just a fraction. Yeah, we had a big meeting yesterday, you know, looking at the audience figures. It was very exciting, I always think. Highlight of my year. Well, actually, it's the highlight four times a year, I think, because we do them every three months. Although, to be honest with you, it's the only thing that gets everybody a bit jittery. You know, people start taking stress-busting tablets and things like that before they go into a meeting and make sure they've been to toilet. You know, because you sit down there and, and it's, it's all laid out in black and white. You know, you've done very well here. Not done very well there. That bit's very good. Good. Very well done there. That's Oh, that's very good. That bit mm, could do better. And you sit there and, oh, dear. Gets your little heart going, I'm afraid. Not my time of life. The one thing you want to keep going is your heart. Forecast for today. Where any time of life, I quite like my heart to keep going. I like the idea, though, Steve Jobs' last words. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping, in my heart of hearts, that he was going up the stairway to heaven and it got brighter and brighter and then these big gold doors were in front of him, and they opened them and went, you're in. And he went, wow. And then he died. Lovely, isn't it? Headline forecast for today. Any rain should clear away by lunchtime, leaving sunny spells. Don't get the car washed. Although South London might see one or two showers. Feeling mild, 16 centigrade, cooler than yesterday. We, we went out yesterday, James Whale, uh, Nick Majerison, Nick Abbott, such a social gathering. Um... Anthony Davis as well, and myself, and we all had a cup of, uh, cup of tea just around the corner. Well, I didn't have anything because I arrived late. Because I walked out the building and went, oh, dear, I'm having one of my senior moments. I'd left my bags. So I had to walk all the way back upstairs, pick the bag, and walk all the way back down, by which time they were already ordered. And we were sort of putting the world to rights. But we sat there, and it got quite chilly yesterday. There was a little brief moment where I thought, you know, it could... And it, over, it went overcast. And I thought, oh, here we go again. This is the start of winter. And then uh, I was saying to my friend Michael yesterday, I said, it's going to rain all this week. He went, no. I said, yep, 
Yep, today. And then uh, cloud increasing tonight, tomorrow, cloudy day. Odd spot of rain or drizzle in the afternoon, more persistent by dusk, and then Thursday, unsettled with rain, Friday, sunny spells throughout the day, rain overnight, and then Saturday, heavy rain. Of course, this week we film the LBC 97.3 Advent calendar for this year, so I'm going up to Angels on uh, Friday with Adrian, and we're going to be putting on about 30 costumes. Not on top of each other, I hasten to add. Uh, so it's going to be a very, very long day, and then uh, the results you'll start seeing beginning of December. And so there'll be a different, a different outfit for, <laughs> for every day of the week. And even I don't know what the outfits are. We've left that up to Mark up there, and he will, he's sorting them all out. I think he's sorted out about 40 outfits. So it'll be a case of quickly put an outfit on and then, and then in it. So we'll wait and see what angels come up with. I've just got this horrible feeling that uh, this is the only time I'm not... <laughs> Not going to look particularly good. Uh, well done to Trevor Reedman, who's in the paper today. His funeral sounded so much fun, he thought it'd be a shame not to miss it. So he's had it in advance of dying. He's decided to actually go through his funeral. He's 77, and uh, they, they brought in a coffin for him. And he's got a New Orleans jazz band. Um, uh, he, this is in... Um, I don't know where this is, actually. But he, he, he was happy to pay £75 for the buffet, 120 quid for the band and £40 for a horse-drawn carriage. He said, I wanted it to be fun. And so now he knows what his funeral's going to be like, because he's kind of... And you kind of... I know that sounds a bit macabre, but he isn't dead. But do you not want to know what, you know, who's going to turn up to your funeral? I seriously want to know. I mean, I want much wailing and serious gnashing of teeth. I want, I want the whole caboodle. I want to, I want to be there, sitting at the back... And I want to, almost a national day of morning. I want to sit there at the back and check who's... At, right, Amanda's not here yet. Where is she? What, she, what is she wearing? Oh, kimono. Just what I said don't wear. <laughs> that Christ, oh, Christo's here. Anyway, uh, you know, you run through everybody. You want to make sure everybody's there. Noreen, OK. Corin, Tony, Jan, Peter. Check everybody off on the list. I want everybody there, you know. Christo will throw himself wailing over the cop. You can just tell. It would be one of those ghastly moments where people go, oh, dear, how embarrassing. <laughs> Everybody else would be going, are you sure he's dead? Are you quite sure? Are you sure he's not going to do a programme from the other side? There is that danger, isn't there, I suppose. How, what, is, what would be your answer? And it is something that, 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 that annoys me and affects me and affects you as well with this increasing vandalism of, of our war memorials and churches. More often than not, you go out to the countryside now. When I was younger, you could drive into the countryside and uh, you pull into a little village in the car, four or five of you, teenagers, and we'd go and have a look around the local church. You know, you'd have a walk around the churchyard, you'd go into the church. Now, nine out of ten times, the church is locked because there'll be one vicar looking after four or five churches and people steal People steal from churches. I mean, absolutely um, the most abhorrent crime I could ever think of. I can't imagine why anybody would ever steal from churches. Now it's got so bad that they steal from memorials, memorials to the war dead. People who made the ultimate sacrifice now have no recollection. It's just awful. I mean, J. Louise's roof has been stripped, the church there. People climb up there on the roofs late at night, and, and I think really... It's, it's almost, it sounds dreadful to say we need more vigilantes, but do you remember there was a group of women who used to walk around their local estate making sure they, they took all their dogs out with them that the local kids were learning how to behave themselves? You know, you go, excuse me, don't do that, thank you. Otherwise we'll, we'll, we'll call the police out. And, you know, I never understand how somebody can go out there, climb onto a church roof and strip it, and nobody sees anything. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible, as you know, in shops. I can spot shoplifters a mile off. I saw a woman the other day in, in Marks and Spencers. I said, always Marks and Spencers. I see them shoplifting everywhere. And you know what she was doing? In, in, in the back section of Marks and Spencers, they've got the milk, the, uh, the cheese, the butter and everything else. But what they've got at the lower level is they've got the little baby bellow-type cheeses, singly. And so this woman's shopping, her kid picks one out, undoes it and starts eating it. And she never says a word. She doesn't pay for it. She thieves it. Her kid's eaten it. And you see that as people are going around. So it drives me to distraction. I, try, I have to walk away from it now because it makes me up. Because I feel like going out and saying, why are you thieving? You know, you haven't paid for this item. If you've paid for it, then you could eat it. But you've not paid for it. I see them doing it on the bakery. They'll sort of take a croissant, they give it to their kid who starts eating it. I mean, I would love to be the person on the till to go, and I've just charged you for the croissant which your child ate. I watched him in the queue eating it. And this sort of baby bellow cheese. All right, it's only like, you know, 50, 60p. But if in the course of a month 500 people do it, we're starting to talk about serious money. So I don't know what the answer is to stamping out the vandalism of our war memorials and churches. I can't believe that anybody with half a brain would ever do this. Because there's a very good chance, if you live in the area, that it's one of your relatives who is named on there. Unless, of course, you think so little of your relatives that you really couldn't care less about the war dead. What's the answer? 84850, steve at or LBC973. It's nice to be company this morning. It's early breakfast on LBC with Steve Allen. Through till 7, when Nick and the team will be here. And it's 1... One, 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 one today, because it's the 1st of November, so pension a punch for the first day of the month, and no returns, as they say. News at six is next. Morning, everybody. Have you got high blood pressure? I only ask, because uh, apparently they reckon that they have a, a cure for it. A- an astonishing 10 million Brits apparently are thought to have high blood pressure. Five million of you without even knowing it. Now, I get my blood pressure tested on a regular basis, and apparently I'm fine, because I have to. If, if you're diabetic, they, they want to check you all the time just to make sure you're, you're sort of still, still going through it. And, uh, and they say now, I mean, it, it's the root cause of, I think, something like over 60,000 deaths a year, high blood pressure. And it, it can come on at all sorts of moments, you know, moments of high stress and things like that. But nobody is really sort of, you know, understanding how we can actually get rid of it. So the Daily Express today have done a big piece on it, because it's the kind of thing that, that you worry about. You know, you've got high, high blood pressure, how do you do this? You've got to worry about your cholesterol, you've got to worry about... If you're an older person, you've got to worry about your feet, you've got to worry about your health in, in general. There's so many things that start going wrong when you get, you know, a little bit older. And the worst thing you can ever get, as far as I'm concerned, back pain. Back pain is the thing that people go, oh, dear. It's, abs- it's, it's worse... It's worse than having, uh, having uh, tooth pain. You know, when you get toothache, you go, oh, gosh. I remember years ago, I had an abscess. And it, wa- it was so bad. It was so bad. And, of course, the time it's bad is the time you've got nothing in the house to take away the pain at all. Nothing at all. So there's all these things that you have to start looking out for. So if you want to know all about blood pressure. I mean, there are, you know, you have to be very careful because high blood pressure, which is uh, hypertension, I think, it's caused when the pressure of blood in the arteries build up to unsafe levels. And uh, it's a, it can also be the result of an unhealthy lifestyle. And for that, you include nearly all of us, unless you're really somebody that watches exactly what they eat and you're very good about exercising. Although, as I say, I've never seen a happy jogger yet. Uh, healthy weight, because I think a lot of us are now suffering from being a little bit overweight. Slashing salt, 
intake and eating more fruit and vegetables helps. So I always think I'm all right with, with the sprouts, you see. I didn't have any sprouts yesterday. But I did go out. I was going to make a chilli con carne yesterday, but I had one the day before, so I thought, I'll do a bolognese. I didn't make a bolognese either. And I've kept, and then, and then she said next door, you need to get some chilies. Well, I've got no idea what I'm looking for at all. So I'm sort of wandering around a bit blindly in the supermarket. Well, I know what they look like, but I, don't, I wasn't quite aware of, you know, do I buy the dried ones? Do I buy the... I just, I just, in the end, I didn't buy any. It was so much easier. I might have another go today. It's quite traumatic cooking, I think. I don't know how people get away with it. My friend Michael cooks, but he likes cooking. And he's, he's one of these people who's as happy in the kitchen. My mother used to cook, many people listening, because nobody appears to do domestic science at school. And it used to be that you could always spot if kids at school had had a domestic science day, because they'd all be by the bus stop with a cake tin in their hand. And they'd go home and go, look, I've made this. And they'd lift the lid off and go, what the dickens is that? They'd go, Victoria Sponge, they'd say quite proudly, and it never was. Uh, Eddie says, I live right on the beach in Eastbourne. From my balcony, as I sit there, I look directly at the harbour... And the beach and the sea are to the left. I'm so, so lucky and count my blessings, even when it's blowing up a hoolie like it is today. You see, I mean, I think that's, that's very therapeutic. I think that is absolutely lovely. I mean, I said, do you remember years ago when we, we took the godchildren out to see Father Christmas and we went to Lapland, which is inside the Arctic Circle, and it is possibly one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to, mainly because it's all covered in snow. But once you've got the Northern Lights playing over there, you could sit there for ages just staring at it, thinking, do you know, I could live here. I could absolutely live here. It, 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 was, it was just that. So, t- so to look at the beach all the time would be exactly, you know, what, what I, I would want to do. And that's why it's very therapeutic. Uh, Diana says, I said white rabbits as soon as I woke up for luck the next month. Do people, are, people still, are you still superstitious, ladies and gentlemen? Do you still subscribe to superstitions? Do you still do pinch and a punch for the first day of the month? Because if anybody tries it on me today, I'm telling you, I'll floor them. I can just tell today somebody's going to do it. We used to do it at school, pinch and a punch, first day of the month. And didn't, white, white rabbits, didn't walk under a ladder. And uh, great show, she said. I'm listening live as I woke up much too early at four, which of course was five. Got up, put the kettle on, switched on the computer. And then at five o'clock, there you were. I know, it's almost a bit like clockwork, isn't it? You can always rely on, uh, on sort of... When you turn on LBC 97.3, you know who you're going to get at a certain time of the, uh, of the morning. Uh, Christine says, you just mentioned a cup of tea. I was just taking my first sip of my first cup of the day. Martin says, the good photo- folk of Pimlico are listening intently this early morning. Ian in Harlow enjoyed the In Conversation on Sunday with Reese Ephens. Can't wait to see the film about Shakespeare. There was another one that was recommended the other day, and I can't remember what Stephanie Beecham recommended. She went to see a film, and she said it was, it was really good. Pam in Brentwood. Morning, Pam. Says the Dairy Crest milkman delivers milk in bottles to me three times a week. You see, I just love milk in bottles. It's an old-fashioned thing. You don't see it. And uh, Phil says, you were right about Steve Jobs saying, oh, wow, meaning he went to heaven. I hope he didn't say, oh, no because it might be going to the other place. I think for his uh, contribution to everything, I think the good Lord is definitely taking him upstairs. Sue says, I live in Bow. I have my milk delivered in bottles at 4.30am. Crikey, you've got an early milkman. My milkman also sells bread, butter and juice. I know. I used to, I used to like that idea, because you didn't have to pay till Friday. So if you had no money and you got paid weekly, you could sort of mount it all up, then he'd come round and you'd hide behind the settee. She didn't have to pay him, and you'd pay him on the Saturday. Kev the Milkman says, am I that predictable? Yes, we're still here. Extra gold top for you today. I used to love the gold top. It was like being rich, wasn't it? And it's got cream on the top of it. And the Milkman used to deliver cream. And in fact, my Milkman, when I was in Staines, used to have his name. Because I think at one point, the Milkman owned his round. 
I seem to remember at some point, it, it, it fizzled out, but my milkman owned his round. And he'd see me in the morning and he'd sort of say, Morning, Steve. Love the programme. And, and I'd go, can I have some, some extra butter today? Have your say on London's biggest conversation. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I can't help uh, feeling... I have to ask the question about the anti-capitalist protesters outside St Paul's Cathedral. What do you want? What do you want? You know, nobody's actually come up with that. They're all sitting there going, oh, it's dreadful. What do you want? I mean, you might as well sit there for all eternity. But apparently they're now going to be told to remove their tents or face legal action. Think that bothers them? Shouldn't think so in the slightest. They're going to get a letter warning them they've got 48 hours to go or legal action will begin. I bet they're scared. Scared witless. Uh, Dom the Milky says, come and spend the morning with me in Knightsbridge, Steve. You'll see plenty of milk bottles. You've restored my faith in human kindness. I like the idea that there are certain things that we hang on to. And the milk bottle, as far as I'm concerned, is the kind of thing. Just hearing the milk bottle in the metal crate. Do you remember in the metal... There was a noise as they went down the street. And, in fact, in my day, they used to do orange squash as well. So, if you, you know, if you, you were young, you go to your mum, can I have an orange squash? You get, yeah, she'd get a little tiny bottle of orange squash. We used to get them in the playground. Mind you, those were happy days, weren't they? We used to get milk in the school playground. I don't think that happens anymore now. The crate would be delivered. I was a milk monitor. Woo! How cool was that? You can imagine how ghastly I was, can't you? Uh, There's another story in the paper today, and it concerns credit cards. Now, I hold my hand up that for years and years I had uh, a Barclay card, and I had £3,300 credit on it, and I could never get it down. I could never, ever reduce the debt, because the bill would come in at the end of the month, and I would pay off the minimum. In other words, I was paying nothing. I was paying a little tiny bit of the interest. And so it was, it was a great day when my accountant said, right, let's pay this money off and we'll start from zero. And every month, watch what you spend on your credit card and we'll pay it off. And that's what I've done for years. Whatever I spend on my credit card, we pay it off. I refuse to pay them interest. So, in fact, I'm about as useful to them as a chocolate teapot because they're not making any money out of me whatsoever. And it now turns out that uh, this September, just gone, they found out how much we owe on plastic. £56 billion. Very nearly £60 billion. It's £56.9 billion we owe on plastic. £151 billion in loans. And I begin to wonder whether or not many of you are existing on credit cards. Some people I've spoken to... <coughs> and how they get the credit, I've got no idea, have got £20,000 on credit cards. I haven't got anywhere near that. And I'm sure if I asked for more, they wouldn't, they wouldn't bother giving it to me. So I want to know, really, do you use your credit card less frivolously, frivol- less now, than... <laughs> or do you use your... frivolously. Friv- it's one of those stupid words this morning. But anyway, or do you use your card more for essentials like bills, rent, when you go out to a restaurant? Do you pay on the credit card? When you go out, you know, for a sandwich lunchtime, do you put it on the credit card? I would love to know whether or not you're managing your money better or you're literally maxing yourself out every month on the credit card. So you're, you're, you're spending on the credit card because you've got no money in the bank. Then at the end of the month, your wages come in and then you pay off the minimum on the credit card. Because I remember at the time I had no money and I remember putting the credit card into the bank machine to take £10 out. But, of course, that's the most expensive borrowing you can ever do. The interest rates on Barclay Card are something stupid, like 36%. They, they just make... Not as bad as some of the television adverts where they say borrow this money and it's 5,200%, and you begin to wonder how desperate you have to be to borrow money at that rate of interest. So, 
Do you use your credit card less or do you use it more? Are you, are you quite good at managing it? Or are you one of these people who thinks, well, I tell you what, I've got the credit card. They've given me £3,000 credit. I'm just going to spend it because you, you tend not to think that you've got to pay it back. But they do pursue. They do pursue quite vigorously. They're more than happy to give you the credit and they're more than happy to watch you spending it. Hello, would you like some more credit? Yes, of course you can, because they know that they're going to get you in the end. And last night, did you answer your door to trick-or-treaters? Or did you do as one columnist in the paper said today, she decided to lock the front gate, because after last year they pelted a house with, uh, with eggs. And she said it's just not worth it. She said she had turned off all the lights and locked the front gate. Did you do that? She did. Next door, she didn't uh, answer the door last night. She, they were ringing the bell at half past eight at night, but she didn't answer the door. And that way it's sort of better, because they can't do anything. Also, she didn't have anything to give them. I mean, hardly sort of a neck scarf or something like that, you know. Um, a neck, neck scarf? Right, right. Something like that? A little bit of Chinese chow mein? I don't know. Whatever you fancy. <laughs> Invite somebody in for... It'd be quite funny, wouldn't it? they sort of ring, trick or treat. Would I pop in for a meal? OK, we've got roast dinner tonight. And <laughs> but, uh, but the simple answer is, there's nothing that they can do if you don't answer the door. So, did you answer your door to trick-or-treaters last night? And do you use your credit card? How do you use your credit card? How much credit have you got? And how much have you got left on the card? Are you good? Do you pay it all off at the end of each month? Or are you a bit bad and you only pay off little bits and pieces? Do let me know. 84850, LBC 973. I can protect your anonymity. Don't worry. Trust me. Honest Steve will be very good for you this morning. I, I won't reveal your name and address or anything like that. Well, might reveal your name. So I want to know whether or not you, you answered your door to the trick-or-treaters and whether or not you're, uh, you're using your credit card and using it, using it well or you're not using it well at all. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning, he'll be discussing gang culture. This is after, there's going to be a statement later by Theresa May. Gang culture is going on all the time. I read about it. We even heard a piece on the news a short while ago about uh, using a certain cab company's cars because they've got blacked-out windows so they can creep up unexpected. I mean, to be honest with you, I must be of that age now where the only gang culture I knew was the Oval Teenies. It was never that exciting, or failing that, you remember the Secret Seven. And I remember getting a badge, and we had a little... My mother made a badge for me with a number seven on it. made it look like, you know those birthday cards where you've got, Today, I am seven, and you wore it proudly to school. I wasn't. I was 15 at the time. I'm still wearing the seven-year-old badge because my mother refused to spend all the, uh, the money on the cards. But that, that, was, that was all you remember of. Now, it seems it's actually quite violent. You know, little kids go out there and they think they're all big. I saw them today. They're out on the streets of London. You know, and they, it's the way they're acting. And you think, where are your parents? Do your parents know where you are? You feel like taking a film off them, going back to the parents and going, would you keep your son in in future? Because there's no, there's no respect from anybody at all. That they'll be talking about today. They'll also be talking about getting ready for winter. This is, for, this is mainly for elderly people. You know, a lot of elderly people are frightened to turn on the heating. They're frightened to do that. You know, they, they, and there's lots of advice. Every year we have to offer advice to elderly people. And we've said time and time again, if you've got an elderly person living next door or there's somebody down the street, then look out for them. It doesn't cost but five minutes. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, we're always very good at giving to charity, but we don't do anything in our street, do we? Do you know who your next-door neighbours are? Most people haven't got the faintest idea who their next-door neighbours are. They don't know anybody. They pass somebody and they go, oh, right, you live next door? Really? How long? Fifteen years? So you really should look out for people, because some elderly people, you know, they don't want to get... It's too cold. They don't want to put the fire on. So just looking out for somebody, taking them around some soup. You know, you don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to look like charity, I promise you. There's great ways of... Uh, of, uh, of doing it. Paul says, last week you mentioned a book on the programme about behind the scenes at Buckingham Palace. It was called, I think it's called The Queen. I think it's by Robert Hardiman. 
Uh, it's quite good. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. It's interesting, but uh, it it looks to me like there's lots of little bits and pieces all put in. It, it tells you what goes on behind the scenes at Buckingham Palace, the protocol, how it all works, and uh, if you followed the royal family over the years, you would know these kind of things. But it's all it's all put together in this book. I think it's just called the Queen. I'm sure it's Robert Hardiman. Uh, Maureen came out of hospital two years ago. Having a few sleepless nights, so I started scrolling through the radio stations, as you do, and then bingo. Bingo. Came across LBC 97.3. Your programme came on, and that was it. I was laughing through the pain. It's it's good when you can laugh through the pain, isn't it? I've laughed through the pain on many in a time. And says, uh, thank you, not forgetting the rest of the crew. The crew. (laughs) Just her next tour. Makes it sound like a posse, doesn't it? You know, a posse. She says, but uh, it's my birthday today. One, 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 one. And I'd love a happy birthday message. So Maureen, who's in Cheshire, one of our Cheshire listeners this morning. Oh, God, I hope you're rich. Uh, Many happy returns of the day to you. Uh, John, happily retired in Rio de Janeiro. We were talking about George Formby and the excellent programme that appeared on the television. It had Frank Skinner on it, who turns out to play a mean ukulele. And he says, did you know that George Harrison was a member of the George Formby Appreciation Society, a fan from childhood and learnt to play the uke and the banjo before he could play guitar? I didn't, but thank you for that one. There's a new book out about uh, the carry-on actors. It's got a great picture, about the best picture I've seen of Barbara on the front cover. hope they've used it with your permission, Bar. It's by Andrew Ross. Strangely enough, there was a, another book by Robert Ross about the carry-on actors some years ago. I don't know if they're related, but this is the complete who's who of the carry-on film series, forward by Fenella Fielding, and uh, it goes right back to carry-on sergeant in 1958. The, but there is another book which does exactly the same, this, this Robert Ross book, because I remember getting a copy of it and talking uh, to him about it. But they've got, uh, they're bringing you up to date with details of reunions and recent events. Big argument being why they never made any money out of the films, I suppose. Uh, Chris says, uh, you mentioned the Christmas shop in Tooley Street. I know you're a supporter of the Poppy Appeal. I am. I went in there today to buy my Poppy, one of the few shops locally which still sells them, and I discovered that the shop matches whatever amount is collected from public donations. It's a good idea, isn't it? A lot of people after the metal poppies, and uh, they're they're sought after. I like I like all the poppies. They're trying to raise forty million pounds this year. So if you see somebody standing there collecting for poppies, give give generously. And um, people do have uh, the poppy tins stolen. It's it's appalling to think that people do that. But when they take the lead off church roofs, there's obviously uh, nothing which is sacrosanct now. But uh, thank you for that one. Well done to the Christmas shop. And uh, like you, says Stephen Kent, I paid all my credit cards off when I was in my mid-twenties and I have never, ever had another credit or store card or loan except the mortgage. I'm debt-free and loving it. Yes, I don't have a store card. I love it when I go in there and they go, there's a lady in Marks and Spencer's in Kingston. She goes, I won't ask you if you want a store card. I said, I know. I said, I would never have a store card. You know, if, if I can't afford to buy something, then I won't, I won't buy it. It's as simple as that. You know, I'm not one of these... You know, have it now, pay later. I came from a, a family where if you wanted something, you saved up for it. But unfortunately, nowadays, people want it today. And that was how they sold it to you. They'd say, listen, you have to what? Have to? Yeah. Yeah. But, they, but this is just sort of normal things I'm talking about. So when people sort of go out there, I don't want a store card. I really don't. Because a store card means that you're buying something now, which really you could probably wait for. So let's hear your thoughts on uh, that one. I certainly wouldn't want to pay their interest rates. Thank you very much indeed. It's LBC 97.3. It's the 1st of November 2011. Time now is 6.30.
OBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. Have your say with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 25 minutes to 7 Tuesday morning. It's the 1st of November. Uh, read the war memorial theft, says Glenn. <coughs> Excuse me. These scum are among the lowest of the low. I heard on LBC 97.3 yesterday there were approximately 300 such thefts a month. Is it, is it not time, sadly, to replace all the plaques and so forth with plastic or fibreglass imitations? Uh, <coughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it is time to replace them. Uh, when you have people breaking into museums to steal the rhino horn off a stuffed rhinoceros, it turned out it was only fiberglass anyway, so they didn't get anywhere there. But I absolutely agree. And then put these plaques on display in museums. Each town has got a, a museum, so put them on there and just put a, a replica on. It's so bad, isn't it, that we have to do things like that? Isn't that absolutely tragic in this day and age that that's exactly what we're, we're thinking about uh, doing? Uh, John says, I remember the snow being so bad in the 60s, the milkman had chains on his tyres, but you won't know about that as you're only 37. Yes, I can't remember the 60s at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, milkmen are alive and well and doing in uh, Muswell Hill, the rounds, says Steve the Milky, Palace Dairies. <laughs> Joe in Ealing says credit cards are evil. I only use my debit card, pay it off quick. Pauline has had milk delivered in Twickers, same milkman Glynn for 20 years, but cancelled it last week as it works out too expensive. It's the convenience, isn't it? It's the convenience of having milk delivered to the door. And also the bread and the butter and the bacon and everything else. Michelle in Westminster says, I've been maxing my card, Steve. Recently added it all up. It's very scary. I'm paying them off from savings and cutting them up this month. I promise you it'll be the best thing that you've ever done. You won't do anything as good as that. You will thank me. You will thank me. Sue says, there are times when you can't pay a credit card off. I've been in that situation. But to ensure I actually reduce the payment, I would total the minimum payment with the interest amount and pay that figure. At least you're reducing the payment. By the way, love the show. Uh, my credit card says Jill is for emergencies only and paid off immediately if used. I will not be in debt. People have to take responsibility for their actions. Yes, I mean, I, I've, I've tried to adhere to that. I've got a very good bank manager and she, she says, I've paid your card off this month. Shelley in Brentford says, I used to pay credit cards off every month until about five years ago. It's just been minimum as I could only find part-time work. Hope things will change soon as I start a new full-time job on Monday. Good luck for that one. Uh, Linda says, put everything on a Tesco credit card, pay it off each month and collect loads of points, convert points into vouchers for Eurotunnel, saved hundreds of pounds. Love your show. And, uh, Steve, the £65 billion debt is just on my credit card. And I had 40 trick-or-treaters, all polite, well-mannered, with parents. Yes, as long as the parents... I forgot to ask about the parents coming round. That's very good. Uh, Edna says, I'm, I was very prepared this year with a bucket full of sweets. About 7pm, I decided to turn off the lights and ate the sweets. There you go. Six of us going to see Jersey Boys tonight to celebrate uh, Edna Ingram's 80th. You'll love it. It's a great show. Uh, Steve, I was visited by the tiniest witches, ghouls, fairies and the cutest Frankenstein, all with their parents, says Lynn. Off they went with their packets of sweets. Porchlight off means all finished. Hi, Steve. Knocker removed. Bell disconnected. Curtains drawn. But still they came. Trick or treat. Uh, one here. I'm good with credit. Pay off... All, every month, I'm old-fashioned. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. 
Steve didn't get any trick-or-treaters this year. Usually get some, but not many. Now have excess chocolate at home. I love the idea that many of you have been out and actually bought excess chocolate for the trick-or-treaters. But then, of course, if you turn the lights off, you can eat it, which is fantastic. Mary and Crawley had a scary mask ready by the door to scare the trick-or-treaters. But unfortunately, nobody came. I should really act my age. Somebody said that to me once. They said, what did you act your age? I said, if I acted my age, you'd be talking to a pile of dust. Nick says, I use credit card for all shopping, but pay off in full and receive cash back once a year. Um... Did not open door to trick or treaters and had an egg thrown at the door. Disgraceful. Disgraceful, these people. Listening to you in Portugal, says uh, Liz. Oh, I hope you've got nice weather. We're, we're fine over here. We're all right. We're not complaining at the moment. Here in Little Hormead in rural Hertfordshire, we have a milk delivery with real milk bottles, says Brigitte. We have a lovely rural view from the front and back of the house. Fields with foxes, deer and rabbits. Very soothing. I like that kind of thing. Well, we're asking you this morning about trick-or-treaters and your credit cards, but it's the trick-or-treaters I want to concentrate for just for a a brief moment. If you opened the door to them last night, children across the city hit the streets yesterday evening. However, it would seem one in five would like to see the practice banned. Tom Rennie's been looking into it for LBC 97.3. Well, according to the results of an online poll, 22% of the population think that in light of recent riots and other civil disturbances, the practice of trick-or-treating should be banned. 50% say it should only happen if kids are with their parents, whilst a similar number say that any face-obscuring mask should be left at home. Some say it's just a bit of fun. Others see it as the start of a week of mischief, which includes bonfire night, where the throwing of eggs and toilet paper by kids is a more likely sight than sweet kids getting candy. We asked these Londoners if they wanted Halloween and trick-or-treating banned, and why? We love it, because we're American. <laughs> uh, it's very good, enjoy it. It's good to see the kids out, having a great time. I think it's a good thing. Some people are afraid of getting the house toilet paper, does that bother you? No, it's only toilet paper. Why would you be afraid of that? Yeah, I don't mind at all. I think it's uh, it's fun. People get dressed up and uh, have a good time, as long as it's done, you know, safely, and uh, with a bit of thought. It's a great thing, Halloween. Gets the kids out. Just be nice to the kids. Just you never know. Don't want any eggs on your window, mate. <laughs> my mother, she's always hated it. And my brother, he enjoys it too much. It gets in trouble. So, yeah. so a mixed reaction ahead of tonight with fear not so much of ghosts, schools and goblins and more of property damage and youthful mischief. Let's just hope tonight is scary for the right reasons. <laughs> Brief, you actually appear to enjoy trick-or-treating. <laughs> I, I quite agree. What is actually scary about toilet paper? I don't know. That Izel stuff is a bit scary, isn't it, I think? But, uh, but eggs. Tom Rennie. We know it was Tom Rennie. But uh, he was down there checking on with people. And you appear to like it. Can't bear it. Diana in Richmond says, I had no idea I had high blood pressure till it was too late and had a stroke. Six years ago, resulting in now being partially sighted. My doctor hadn't taken it for 19 years. Since I'd had my second son, needless to say, I've changed doctors. I've recently been diagnosed with diabetes, suffered from excruciating back and sciatica pain for a few years. I'm to have nerve root block procedure tomorrow, after the previous uh, caudal epidurals didn't work. bit frightened, but it's very safe, apparently. They do it all the time. She says, I did ask the consultants about the incidence of total lower limb paralysis. She just gave me a funny look. <laughs> Listen, they do these things all the time. As you know. And uh, Lindy... Says your Facebook page now has over 1,000 members. Still never seen it. And uh, Michael and Georgia. 
Uh, Maura is 21 again today, so happy birthday. Good grief, honestly. These, these people who are telling fibs about their, uh, their ages, I find it really quite disheartening, I'm afraid. And uh, David in Streatham says, I pay my credit card off at the end of every month and have done so for a few years. No paying interest. And if you work it properly, you can get 28 days of interest-free money. Uh, that said, since starting work at the Top People store in Knightsbridge, I do leave my credit card at home. Too many temptations. Even with the staff discount, I can imagine. And um, was there, surely back in your day, says uh, Jeremy, beside the milk bottles and metal crates, there was the clip-clop of the horse. Um, well, that's pushy. No, it was always electric milk floats. Although my grandmother told me about the Hokey Pokey Man, which uh, was the Italian man who came round selling ice cream. Uh, when the days when you used to have an ice cream man. Michelle says, I have an M&S card, use it to pay for everything, to collect points and then pay it off in full each month. I've had credit cards for over 40 years and always paid them in full. I was always brought up never to spend more money than I had. I know, well, I think that that's very sensible and you've probably learnt that from your parents. Stefan says, I'm very good with managing money. Put everything you can on the card. Pay it off in full each month. You get the protection, the interest-free period, and build your credit rating big time. Only leave it there when there's a promotional free period, e.g. nine months or something. Then don't forget to pay it in full when the offer expires. It's, it's, it's called money management, isn't it? It's as simple as that. In fact, uh, it says, Deirdre, if you have more than one credit card, you can, in fact, benefit quite a bit. My mum's got several, and she does this. Pays all the bills, including utilities, with one. Pay the first one's bill with the second. Pay the second card's bill with the third, and so forth. Pay the final card's bill in full on the due date. And uh, she's now negotiated with the card issuers to waive the annual fees. Get your accountant. I don't have any credit cards, Deirdre. I don't do credit cards. I just have one card and it's paid off in full at the end of each month. I don't need to negotiate anything at all. I, I pay nothing at all, I'm afraid. Uh, because, it may, because I'm far too mean, I'm afraid. Quarter to seven is the time. <laughs> With the news headlines, it's Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Gang members who supply guns face life behind bars and new plans to be set out by the Home Secretary later. Met Police are holding 12 people after an unauthorised squatters' rights protest outside Parliament overnight. An anti-capitalist protesters camped outside St Paul's Cathedral are to be told to go this morning. Morning, everybody. Ten to seven is at the time. Plenty of trick-and-treaters, says Dean Ham. Uh, of all ages, I'd gone to town with all the spookies, the screaming witches, the skeletons, and my door never stopped knocking all night. Great fun, especially when a few of the younger ones went screaming back down the path. It was a fun night. Parents were there with their kids and all went well. All got candy. So there you go. So I quite like that idea. I think you could frighten them. Boo! Credit cards are dangerous, says Cam. I was once £52,000 in debt. Very easy. Now I've got £17,000 left not using credit cards now. It is a dangerous situation to get into, and the trouble is a lot of students get themselves into that debt because it costs so much money to do everything. Uh, Exandria, or Andrea, says, I took out a Barclay uh, loan to pay off a credit card debt of £2,000. Would have taken 12 years to pay it off, whereas it took two years. I would never have a credit card again. June in Bromley also pays off everything I spend on my card, so no interest, but I use an M&S card for everything in all the shops and get their vouchers, so effectively they pay me. And uh, ban trick-or-treating, says Margaret, here in South Croydon tonight. We've had gangs of youth standing in the road, stopping cars, throwing eggs and fireworks, setting fire to a bush. In the last two days, we've seen six- and seven-year-olds begging with a bucket for Halloween in a pub. Comes as no surprise to me, Margaret, I'm afraid. So she's, she's one of those calling for a ban. A ban. We're asking about your credit cards this morning and the trick-or-treating. Did you open the door or did you hide behind the settee and hope they'd all go away? 
Love the show. Regarding trick-or-treating, says Anita, I spent four hours making loads of chocolate-covered apples with hundreds and thousands... Blimey, some of you go to, to some, some expense here, don't you? I thought it'd be a welcome change. Most were really happy, except a group of rowdy teenagers who took the apples, and one of them asked for money instead of the apples. What a cheek. Cool, I think that's pushing it a little bit, isn't it? Although, actually, Paul Cooper the other day in Twickenham, um, he was selling toffee apples. I was so tempted. I was so tempted to buy a toffee apple, and I thought, no, it'll sell, send me round the twist. But I was, I was really tempted. I nearly bought a toffee apple. But uh, in the end, I, I held out, and I didn't go for it. And I am turning on the lights, the Christmas lights, in Twickenham on the 25th of November, which is a Friday. I know on the website it says Saturday, but it is on the, I promise you, it's on the Friday. It'll be around about six o'clock, I think, something like that. I think that's the time I did it last time, because I did it a few years ago there. So uh, if you're round the area... Come down, give us a wave. 25th of November, put it in your diary. And then, of course, the 3rd, we're at the, uh, the Mermaid. God, I'll tell you, that's creeping up on us a bit quickly. Uh, more on the Amy Winehouse album, which we mentioned the other day on the programme. Uh, they're now rushing it to stores, saying they hope it'll be the Christmas number one. I'm hoping it won't be the Christmas number one. Can we have something festive in the charts for Christmas, please? Something, you know, I mean, even if it's a Cliff... Oh, maybe not a Cliff Richard song. But, no, actually, I don't mind a Cliff Richard song in the charts for Christmas. He must be releasing something. They must be bringing out Christmas songs by now. It, it's hardly anything festive, is it, nowadays? And an Amy Winehouse album, not my idea. They do say that um, it'll help raise money for the addiction charity the family have set up a name. A pound. A pound for each album. Nothing. Nothing. Should be the whole lot. You know, after you've taken out the costs of the thing. But uh, not just a pound. That doesn't sound like very good value at all to me. Uh, football ace Wayne Rooney has sparked a hair transplant boom. Are people going, why, eh? I'll have some of that. And apparently the medic who worked on his bonds has been flooded with requests for the surgery. Obviously, people have got loads of money now. His inquiries are up 350% from this time last year. It's unbelievable. This is £30,000. So panic-stricken are men about losing their hair. They are prepared to... I mean, nothing would, would get me to spend £30,000 having a hair transplant. Absolutely nothing at all. Nothing. I've seen this thing on the television. I think they call it, is it million dollar hair or million strand hair or something? And it, it looks like, like a salt shaker. I've seen it demonstrated on some of these shopping channels and they shake it over somebody's head and all of a sudden it looks like hair. It doesn't to me. It looks a bit like candy floss, although I could have been fooled before. I might bump into somebody today and I'll go, is that, because you don't like to ask. Do you? If it's a toupee, I can quite clearly see it's a toupee. But if it's this stuff where you shake over it, I don't know what happens when it rains. Does it all then go, it's like putting a bit of candy floss on your hair. And then when that deflates, it's like that squirty cream in a can. You know, you put it on something, in an hour it's evaporated. It's gone completely. It's like if, if you buy a Starbucks coffee, all their cream is squirty cream. They go, and then they sort of do a pretty pattern over the top. I think if you leave it for an hour, it vanishes. I quite like the idea, though. Squirty cream in a can is, is the only thing that can actually get me excited at the end of the day because it's occasionally, occasionally, the kind of thing that I, I, I like putting on maybe a mince pie. You know, just have a mince pie and you go, there's a little bit of squirty cream on it. Because, we're, we're, we're pre- you know, Christmas is going to be upon us before you know it. Already I've started having to write the cards. You know, I've started sort of setting out the list. Got the, I've got the cards. I'm not bothered about that. I've got the ca- And I think you need to do it because I know what's going to happen. If I leave it too late, you know, it'll be a nightmare. They've already ordered the Christmas trees for Twickenham High Street. We've got 200 trees coming in and the, the lamp post will be done and all the rest of it. And on the 25th, I shall do my usual five minutes. Here they are. Hello, welcome to Twickenham. This is, this is the... Because already we've got Christmas lights up in the fish shop. 
They started in October, but they, they, don't, they don't finish with lights till about March. Nick Ferrari this morning, gang culture. Most of us can't understand it. You're probably one of those who can't. The Home Secretary, Theresa May, will be uh, spilling the beans on the government's report on gangs, which is coming out later today. And as we get into winter, the government are setting out plans to protect the vulnerable from the cold. I, can't, I suppose there'll be another winter payment. As opposed to, why don't the electricity companies just let pensioners, you know, people over a certain age, if they're in a vulnerable uh, situation, let them have free electricity? Why should somebody sit there having to worry about turning on the fire? We've seen it. We see old people dying of hypothermia because they don't know that they're getting cold. That's why I said all you have to do is just check on somebody. You know, if they've got a pair of gloves, if they've got blankets, you walk into people's houses, you think, God, you must be frozen to death. You know, they're, they're frightened to turn anything on because what a lot of people have got, if they don't have central heating, they've got fan heaters. And one year, my boiler broke, and I had no heating over Christmas, and it was blooming freezing. And so I bought two fan heaters, one for the hall and one for the sitting room, and my bill at the end of Christmas was 700 quid. And then he had a heart attack. These things, drink it. Drink it. So last year I bought my brother, because he's terrible central heating. He had this sort of, I don't know what it was, it was warm air, it was rubbish. So I bought him these heaters, because I discovered them in a travel lodge. And so, so I went to the travel lodge... I didn't steal them from a travel lodge, but I, I, did, I did check with the lovely lady in the travel lodge down in Epping. I normally do the towels, but they didn't have towels here. So I took, took the heaters instead. The lady of the travel lodge was a, was a big LBC fan, so that was good news. And I said, I'm going to get them for my brother. So I bought them, and then we had them professionally fitted. And it makes... Now it's like sitting in a sauna. So my, my advice every year to the elderly people is, you know, if, you, if you've got heating, you put it on. They're not going to put you in prison... They're not going to put you in print. You put the blooming stuff on. It's as simple as that. Rather be warm and worry about the consequences later than anything else. There aren't any of those sort of uh, situations going on. So Nick will be talking about getting ready for winter with the Secretary of State for Health. That's about quarter to nine this morning. We take all your texts and emails as well. It's just about it for this morning. We have discovered that you're fairly good, most of you, at handling your credit cards. We've discovered that Far, far from what I thought you'd be telling me about hating trick-or-treating, you seem to prepare for it with sort of apples dipped in hundreds and thousands and, and sweets by the door and some people being lucky and getting loads of trick-or-treaters and some people not being very lucky at all and getting nobody. Kim Kardashian's marriage has only lasted 72 days and X Factor bosses have launched a probe after the singer Derry Mensah claimed he was racially abused by Kitty Brooknell. They'll do anything to get an audience for this programme. We'll do it again tomorrow morning, shall we? Between five and seven. Don't like you to be late. Oh, and we've also discovered that the milk bottle is alive and well. So I'm, I'm very happy about things this morning. Go to the LBC website, please. lbc.co.uk. You can learn about podcasting. So if you have one of those odd days where you think, I'm doing a train journey, I've got nothing to listen to, you can take a podcast with you. It's terribly easy. From as little as £2 a month, you can download everything on LBC 97.3. Have a great day. Take an umbrella. It's going to be a bit wet. Nick and the team with you. After the news at 7, first of all, the business updates with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down 158 points at 55.